final report of the commercial starship Nostromo. Third officer reporting. The other members of the crew, Kane, Lambert, Parker, Ash, Brett, and Captain Dallas, are dead. Cargo and ship destroyed. I should reach the frontier in about six weeks. With a little luck, the network will pick me up. This is Ripley, last survivor of the greatest movie of all time, signing off. Today on the show, Alien. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest Welcome to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the galaxy's greatest alien, Rick Barrasso. And I, your co-host, the big Ridley Scott Boski. We're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. And of course, we have a special guest today. We're finally doing Alien, so we have one of our favorite guests, if not our favorite guest, Chris Bonapani, back on the show. How are you doing today, boys? Doing excellent. Basically. I don't think I don't think Chris is a special guest anymore. I think he just lives here. He's just a he's he's a recurring guest. He's a recurring he, character on the he, show. He he has he has like a one of one of our guest bedrooms is basically he has like a couple of like pieces of clothes that just true. stay here now. True. Well, I've been camping in uh, Rick's basement for a while. That's true. It's not. He, it's he, not. he doesn't. He doesn't know though. It's not finished. So good. I mean, you must be very hot down there. Mm. Yeah, um, it's like it's literally camping. It's like a camping trip. I got a tent and everything. Well, uh, today we are taking a ride home on the Nostromo with Alien. Last week, I believe this is going up uh, the week after our Taxi Driver episode. And that was a great one. One of my favorites we have done. So check that one out or any of our library. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Whatever app you use, subscribe and review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show. Uh, And if you enjoyed that one, if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. We're at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Greatest Movie Pod on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our uh, old guy who we took a trip to space with, Bruce <laughs> Wayne would say, tell your friends about us. But uh, now, in space, no one can hear Rex scream. Alien is a 1979 sci-fi horror film directed by Ridley Scott. It stars Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, Ian Holm as Ash, Tom Skerritt as Dallas, John Hurt as Kane, Veronica Cartwright as Lambert, Harry Dean Stanton as Brett, and Yafit Kodo as Parker. It made $106.3 million on an $11 million budget. It's got an 8.5 on IMDb a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 89% on Metacritic. Uh, Ebert, four out of four. Ridley Scott's wow. 1979 movie is a great original. What do, you, what do you think of that one, Rick? I mean, he can say whatever the fuck he wants. He's still a fucking douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa Schwartzman of New Robert Daily Ebert. <laughs> Robert Ebert, that son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> 
Lisa Schwartzman of the New York Daily News says, in space, the famous tagline went, no one can hear you scream. In Alien, you can hear lessons for the sci-fi future and a great milestone from the recent past. Dave Kerr of the Chicago Reader, for a negative one, says, an empty-headed horror movie with nothing to recommend beyond the disco-inspired art direction and some handsome, if gimmicky, cinematography. Oh my goodness, who hurt you, sir? Yeah, Dave Kerr, you can go fuck yourself. Uh, Dave Kerr, fresh out of a breakup. Must have been. I, must have come on a bad it, day. Man. I hated it. I hate disco too, man. <laughs> my girlfriend dumped me in the club last night. God damn. If you're not listening to The Wall by Pink Floyd right now, then what are you even doing? Disco Dis- sucks. Disco sucks. <laughs> Let's smash some records. Uh, what is it? What about this movie is disco? Nothing. Is it that there's a black guy in it? Like, is that what he's may, talking about? There, there may be some perms happening. Maybe <laughs> this is what triggered him. Jesus. He just figured late 70s, it's disco time. Must be disco. Um, so, if when this did is you guys disco, first see this I'm, movie? I'm, if this is disco, I'm fucking in on disco. I mean, yeah, all in on disco. <laughs> so when did you guys right. first see Alien? Derek? Uh, I mean, a week ago. <laughs> really? Um, first, first time. Yeah, it was never a movie that I just wanted to see. Um, and uh, it's it's not because I, I don't really know the reason why. Things just click with me and some things just don't. Um, but I finally sat down and I watched it from beginning to end. And uh, yeah, it's my first time. I'm, I'm a rookie. I'm an alien rookie. And, and it's funny. I've, I've been to Disney World and stuff and I've gone on the some of the cool rides. And yeah. one of them is the one where you look, you look you you kind of go through like all the, the different movies in, in cinema history yeah. and Rest one of them is great movie ride yeah. yeah oh they got rid of that yeah oh that sucks that was such a cool ride and like maybe, i remember maybe maybe one day they'll have the greatest movie of all time right oh, <laughs> it's just it's just the three of us sitting at a desk it's all animatronic but it, it's, it's it's always broken so we all look like we're just fucking glitching so, out <laughs> so i will say before we get it too far the 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 one Disney World ride that they never built, if I could pick one, was they were going to do a parody of that ride, like right around the corner from it, called the Great Muppet Movie Ride. And it'd oh, be the man. same movies with just Muppets fucking every scene up. That would have been great. That would have been great, yeah. But so yeah, <laughs> I remember I remember on that ride, I remember it's like seeing like the Sigourney Weaver like against the wall, like hiding from Alien. It was pretty, it was a pretty cool like uh, segment. Yeah. They, they um, also had Casablanca on that ride. They did. They did. I, what else? They had, they had, I'm pretty sure they had the Wizard, Wizard of, of Oz. Oz. Yeah, they had in like the a, ring. Yep. Um, um, yeah, they, they had a bunch of stuff. They had like a general Western one. I think John Wayne was there, a couple other, like there was a, yeah, there there's some, like there, there were specific movies and there was like some like yeah and then there were like, crime yeah. movies yeah. Um, yeah oh yeah that's right yeah the gangster yeah, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark so I think there were three yep yep yeah there were three uh three greatest movies of all time movies uh in there as far as the Godfather wasn't in there um it's uh so it, it was like whoever had the right I think it was MGM originally or like whoever had the rights to to these movies or Disney of course right. um Imagine if Taxi Driver was in there and Scorsese <laughs> literally had a theme park ride. <laughs> oh my god, that would be—I I would be there every other week. <laughs> that, that's his big diss to like you know Marvel movies, though. Right. It was like, guy, you actually are in a theme park ride. <laughs> well, you know, I I I get where where Martin's coming from when he says what he says, but I also I also just want to tell Marty that I I think that most 
I think that Marvel movies in general don't take themselves as seriously as like hardcore yeah. drama. So I think he has to remember think, that as well. So I think that he probably came off a bit more harshly in that statement than he intended. I don't think he said anything. There's no, there's, there's necessarily anything bad with making a theme park ride. Right. He's just saying like, this is a different thing than what I'm doing. Right. Well, right. what, what, what the, he was like in the whole interview, what he's relating it to is how much harder it is for even someone like him to find yeah. money for movies now. That's yeah. what it came is like when you walk into these studios, if you don't want to build them a theme park ride, they don't want to give you a movie. That's like what he was trying to say. Right. Like the, way, the way it came off is like, oh, those fucking things, they're just theme park rides. No talent. That's how it like was portrayed. <clears throat> right. Yeah, that's not what he was saying. Yeah. But he, he was saying there has to be some kind of a tie in. And he used theme park ride because, I mean, just look at the places. Harry Potter's like, you know, if Hogwarts exists in California. It exists in Florida. It exists in London. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. First time no. I saw this one, um, childhood favorite classic. I can't pin down the first time, like mm-hmm. the individually first time, but this is another one like, you know, the Bonaparte boys would always yeah. toss this one on. We loved it. Yeah, I think I was like 12 or 13, which is like perfect age. You know, I was like, I wasn't too young to be completely like messed up by it. And I wasn't completely fucking cynical yet. Um, so, I, I mean, I've, I've always loved this since, uh, since I've seen it. But let's uh, let's talk about what happens in the movie. Derek, do you have a, have a song for this one? I'm going to count you down today. Okay, let's do it. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. Upon waking up from cryosleep, the crew of Nostromo picks up a signal in deep space while investigating it. One of them, Kane, is attacked by an alien creature who implants its offspring into him, which later explodes out of his chest in a different form. The monstrous alien then stalks and kills the majority of the crew one by one. It's revealed that Ash, the ship's doctor, is actually an android sent by conglomerate Wayland yutani to ensure the return of the alien for unclear purposes. The last survivor, Ripley, is able to blow up the ship and send the creature into the vacuum of space and put itself back in a cryosleep. 30 seconds on the dot. You you have I think you you may have perfected the thirty second on the dot. I think so. I mean, it's only taken a hundred tries. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) we got it. Um, yeah. So, um, that's what happens in it. It's a very listen. I mean, the the whole thing is like you can imagine the pitch for this movie, and it's like the pitch is it's a haunted house on a spaceship. Yep. Go. You know, um, Ten, ten little Indians. Tenalinians. Yep. I mean, later it's it's the thing. It's a haunted house in the Arctic. And and, uh, and that's the know. first thing I thought of too was Agatha Christie. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's you know, the the slasher is just kind of going off in a bit of a different direction to this, obviously, because this has you know much more to it than um, you know some of the stuff that yeah. come out in years later. The the slasher uh, is it relies on gratuitous violence, where this yeah. relies on like they're not jump scares but they're developed scares yes yeah it's not it's not like you're gonna jump when when the alien gets you but it's like oh shit this is where this one goes down. yeah what the fuck is this yeah right you know uh but it's it's got that same kind of spine it's 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 branches from the same tree Mm -hmm. uh of the the agatha agatha christie agatha christie tree was agatha all along um so let's uh let's talk about as we do each episode our favorite parts uh, about the movie chris what's your number three favorite scene my number three favorite scene is when they investigate in the alien ship this is you know the one that's on the on the planet this one has so much intrigue there's so many great set pieces the design is gorgeous and the atmosphere is tremendous 
and of course it's like a foreign planet foreign gases but just the way like the light shines through the um the haze right and it's as investigation scenes like we've seen them a bunch of times but we've never really seen one that looked like this and it's mesmerizing to watch it legitimizes the whole first act like it sets its world building visual world building yeah no absolutely this is the i think the great part about this movie is like the the stuff you don't know like they present yeah. you with this and you're like what the fuck yeah what's the space jockey and then you know mileage may vary as, as you know for prometheus and you know, alien covenant um, when they start to answer these questions and it's like do, well do, you do not need to answer these questions yeah it's just, yeah, yeah you shouldn't some questions are just that turns out it's space jesus maybe pretty much know. unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Derek, what's your number three favorite scene um, so my number three, I believe, was the scene where Brett is kind of following the cat around and trying to, you know, get the cat to come back and stuff. And it, it seems like as the viewer, you're just waiting for the alien to come out at any second. And it just doesn't. Right. So it's kind of this like very strategic, intense scene by Ridley Scott where he's building tension and building tension and building tension. Um, and every time the camera kind of pans behind Brett, you're like, here we go. And then the alien's not there. Right. And it happens very, very frequently. And then finally, when it does come, it's not much of a jump scare. Like you said, Chris, there's not like a lot of jump scares, but like, it's like, what the fuck? Um, but it's a very cool scene. And I, I definitely took notice of it while I was watching and how like Ridley Scott was trying to be strategic here and build the tension. And we all know from yeah. past episodes, yeah. I love movies that build tension, um, whether it's with music or with camera shots. But uh, this is a really cool scene. So this is my number three. And the, the way the alien, the way the xenomorph moves. Yeah the like other world it's yet yeah, other it's 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 not a jump scare like you said it just like exists it, in this space and it's just like it's gonna do what it's gonna do but your mind just can't get a full picture of it until like the very end of the movie right and the the inclusion of the cat in general is just a brilliant choice because yeah. these these types of movies the way it's going you're like, oh my god, all these people are dying. Please don't let that fucking cat die. Like, please right, protect right. the cat. And the cat goes on to being aliens, you know? For, for, for some of us, uh, you know, we care more about animals than humans, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my number three scene is the, I'm just going to say everything from when the, uh, the face hugger jumps on Kane's face, and they try to get it off with, like, the acidic blood, and that just goes to sort of show, it's just like, what kind of animal, what kind of creature could have blood that burns through a metal? How could this possibly exist? It's just a different element. Yes. Like what this is. It's, it's not on our periodic table. Whatever, yes, whatever makes this creature is not on our known periodic table. Yeah. And it interacted badly with with our with our universe and, and and we'll just jump ahead now just because this is my number two as well so okay. we can just keep talking about it but yeah th this this scene very much reminded me and this whole movie reminded me of a movie that would come out a couple of years later of course and that's the thing um yeah. and it, this scene definitely reminded me of a couple of scenes in that and i and i, I kind of felt like a little bit of a throwback even though i had to put myself in the situation where okay this came out first derek keep that in mind right <laughs> But. Yeah, and and I mean this it goes to sort of like this everything with the creature and other stuff in the movie which we'll get to is like so darkly sexual like the worst like yeah. this thing is 
you know, pumping its eggs in the king. What is it doing? It's impregnating it's the men. It's yeah. In, yeah, it's impregnating a man. Um, you know, and there's like it's everything on the creature looks like ah, just this side of genitalia but like what is happening here like and it just brings you to like a very uncomfortable place i was horny the whole time I don't know I, well i mean about. that's that's normal <laughs> that's normal uh chris what's your number two scene um well i was just gonna piggyback on on yep. that scene and, and it's such a simple thing for monster movies to be like oh why don't you just shoot it and that's like just shoot it that's yeah. the problem by Can't. making the blood acidic and like that or, or horrifying, now that's off the table. So we're right. in a different type of movie. They, they did kind of retcon that a little bit with all like the bullshit sequels because the original sure. blood melts from the top of the ship to space, you know? Yeah. It just kept going. And they, they kind of lessened it in the second one and then they kind of just get rid of it in the, the later ones. I don't know but, why this, this reminded me of this specifically, but kind of like how you're talking about like they're, they're, they're writing the script and they're like, well, what's the obvious thing here? Obvious thing is shooting it. Well, we can't make it that obvious. So how can we change it? Oh, well, if they shoot it and the green stuff comes out and it's acid, we can't shoot yeah. it. For some reason, I don't know why this came to me, but it reminded me of... Um, James Bond and how like the villains always put James Bond in like this most ridiculous scenario and they're gonna how they're gonna get yeah. killed. And it's like the you know, the writers would sit around and go, Well, can't just they just shoot James Bond in the head? And then and then I went back to that Dr. Evil thing where he's talking yeah. to Scott and he's like, You just don't get it, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but full Listen, circle that just went around <laughs> in my room. We'll do it together as father and son. It'll be great. <laughs> In the original, in the like the sixties bonds, the whole thing was you can't piss off England because then they'll invade. But I think England is no longer like looked at. It. Now when we see Bond, we're like, why don't they just whack them? It's not, no big deal. People get kidnapped by governments all the time now. People get whacked all the time. And I think but, that a, a lot of directors need to have a, a like a meeting with with their writers and the, the production and be like, okay, guys, let's look through the script and make sure there's no plot holes because. You know, yeah, we no, know yeah, that they, nowadays people like us will attack any movie that has the littlest hole. <laughs> I I love Nolan movies, but he, he, you know he doesn't care about plot holes. Yeah, well, he, I mean, there's there's certainly yeah, like Nolan. There's some other guys that are just like, and girls for that matter, that are just like, yeah, yeah plot holes. Like, who cares? Like, yeah, set, set set pieces to set pieces. Yeah. It's it's about it's about the the feeling of it. It's about what you know. It's about what we're trying to convey. If it if it makes ninety five percent sense and is cooler as opposed to making a hundred percent sense and less cool, we'll go the ninety five percent. Wasn't that the the new Nolan movie where if the bad guy died, like if his heart stopped, a bomb went off or something? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, don't remember. Know. Yeah. Um, what are they gonna do? They gotta convert him now? Like, oh, yeah. we can't stop his heart. We can't Direct kill the bad guy. Directors and writers and stuff should now just start implementing more of like the J.K. Rowling thing where they're just like, oh, Alien, it was gay. <laughs> <laughs> and just Go piss, back, and just piss everybody of... off for no reason. <laughs> yeah, no, wait, wait we, we never had a problem with Alien. Yeah, yeah, nobody, nobody asked if he was gay or not. <laughs> Ripley was trans the whole time. <laughs> oh, God. I thought you had a daughter in the sequel. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so getting back to my second yeah. favorite scene i'm going to jump the gun on this one because i'm sure you guys probably have this as number one but the belly breakout sure that's my second favorite scene what else can you say it's perfect it's a perfect scene it's iconic it's um it goes from hope to horrifying and over the course you know of the scene it's uh got the political analogy that we were kind of touching on earlier about the impregnated men and the you know the forced pregnancy of this uh alien creature it's working on so many levels. It's so effective. It's well-crafted. And it's 
overall, it's the greatest scene in the movie. It's just sure, that sure. I, do, I do have another favorite. Okay. So uh, my number two scene is the scene where Ash is revealed to be an android, which comes out of absolutely nowhere. You don't go into this movie being like, well, there's an android in this. Right. It, you just don't. Uh, and the fact that he like bleeds milk, again, super yeah. weirdly sexual, looks like semen. And the way he tries to kill, I believe it's Jaffa Kodo's character, where he just like rolls up a magazine and tries to jam it down his throat. It's so weird. Yeah. I didn't make that semen correlation. I'm going to have to rewatch it looking for semen, though. Yeah, I mean, you are. it's, yeah, it's you are. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that when he, when he just shoves a fucking rolled up magazine yeah. down her throat. And it's, like, it's like super yeah. phallic, like going down yeah. his, like another man's throat. Like this just this movie's so like deeply, weirdly, fucking darkly sexual. Like it just, yeah, you know. And it's it's you know that's what I love about great horrors. You can like you can say things. You know, if you went and pitched a movie where it's like, I'm going to, uh, we're going to have a movie where a guy's like made of dicks and he starts like, you know, people bleed semen and start like shoving things down people's throats. You'd be uh, like laughed out of the room. Mm-hmm. But Ridley Scott's like, what if it was an alien? <laughs> the whole and he starts game. killing people. And they're like, yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. I got you fuckers. But well, for that scene, the scene you're talking about, it was um, the, the scariest scene for me as a kid because the monster was too fucking cool to be afraid of. Yeah. You know, the, the monster was a badass. But when this guy starts doing this shit and then he's in the pile, like you said, of the milky mess and he's yeah. like still talking in that creepy voice, the way they modified the voice because now he's missing the head. And the way that they designed the um, organs to look organic, but they're mechanical. Right. And in like the crossover between, it's not like the Terminator who's just a, a, you know, endoskeleton. There's a lot of like um, biological science going into Ash and it's just creepy and gross looking. And and I think it's retroactively even better because now when I see Ian Holm, I just think, oh, that's Bilbo. (laughs) Well, I was was gonna say, I, I, I wonder if Brent Spiner looked at this movie a little bit to get kind of like in, involved with his character of data on star trek and maybe he got some influence could be from ian holm oh, oh definitely all right beta, so, bo- beta borrows from i think this and the other one in the in, uh, lance hendrickson's ones too yeah that i mean that's that's probably more because he's more like the friendly robot as opposed yeah. to ash who's just like even before he's revealed to be an android he's like super clinical and like straightforward and you kind of see it where he's like oh he and he's a prick too and he undermines this this prick ash has been undermining ripley because there's a little bit of this feminist like reaction thing you know he he doesn't care for her commands he doesn't trust it and we we should say that's kind of a happy accident because all the characters in this movie were written gender neutral like there's nothing like purposely they were like they they did not necessarily plan on casting a woman to play Ripley or a man to play Dallas for that matter, but it just worked out that they found the right people to do it. Oh, it works way better because the scene yeah. at the end when she's in her underwear, that would be awkward if it's a guy in tidy whiteies, you know? Unless it was sure. Harrison Ford, then nobody would care. Oh right. my God. Then, then all of a sudden, this movie got every Oscar there was if Harrison Ford's <laughs> shirtless in his tidy And the Academy whiteies. Award goes to the huge bulge in Harrison Ford's <laughs> underwear. <laughs> <laughs> they they changed the Oscar statue to just be the bulge. <laughs> the bulge. 
this if it's Harrison Ford, the movie ends with Harrison Ford having sex with the alien. <laughs> just like it's weird. Great movie, great like horror movie until until the end where the alien just makes love to Harrison oh, Ford yeah. for 45 minutes. <laughs> it's like Chris, you ever see um Don't Look Now? Oh yeah. Yeah, where they're just like they stop and there's just like a 20-minute sex scene in the middle of it. Uh that that's the end of Harrison Ford and, and the Xenomorph, just just making love. I love it. And very controversial sex scene because it has been accused by like the film regulators as being, a being genuine, legitimate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, being a legitimate sex. And actually, yeah. Warren Beatty was dating her at the time. He yeah. was pissed. He's like, you, you you just banged my friend in a fucking movie. Yeah. It's going to the it's, yeah. It's like festival. Donald Donald Sutherland at the time, yeah, just like exactly, has a reputation yeah. of being like a super cad. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. There's this there's this movie. Uh, Derek, I don't, I don't have you have you seen or heard of Don't Look Now? I, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's, oh, you're, it's, you're, you're gonna love it. It's it's a great movie, but there is like literally, I'm not really exaggerating, like an 18 to 20 minute sex scene just in the middle. Of the <laughs> yeah, wow. With, with with full penetration. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow. All right. <laughs> well, you guys sold me on it. <laughs> <laughs> like you could probably take it out and it work. The movie works just as well, but it does like. It, it informs the characters, I guess. I'm like, gee, well, you cannot count this as porn. This is yeah. totally a movie. <laughs> well, well, Nick Rogue was also a guy who loved his nudity. Like, you yeah. know, if you if you ever seen um, you Rip Torn's dick, it's because you've seen the man who fell for Mars with David Bowie. Oh, I, I thought you were talking. Yeah. About, I thought you were talking about him in uh, Dodgeball. I thought you were saying <laughs> Men in Black, which was he like, should have had. His well, dick Agent his J, dick come here, I'm gonna show you something. His <laughs> dick should have been out in Dodgeball for all the lines that he has about drink, drinking his own piss. <laughs> you can dodge my dick. You can dodge a ball. <laughs> that's, that's why they named the other team the Cobras. There's a hey, yeah. There's a scene where Justin Long just has to suck him off. <laughs> I don't at know why they edited that scene out. At what point that point does it cease to be dodgeball? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you couldn't dodge these balls. Get over here. <laughs> All right. So, Derek, what's your uh, what's your number one scene? I will say preemptively. Um, I should have probably mentioned this before, but when you were saying your favorite. Uh, your your second favorite scene about the uh the, the John Hurt stuff that was all uh, a bit of that was also the stomach stuff for me as well so that was like part of my number two um his whole death scene uh, I just wanted to put that out there because that's not my number one it's my number two uh, my number one was um Ash as well with the the talking head and the robot stuff yes. um just just did not fucking see it coming and it was done really really well um and uh, it's always a pleasure for me to see like. You know, again, like you said, Ian Holm is Bilbo, but when you watch him in movies like this and you see him in like From Hell, like what a range he has. And he's a very scary actor when he wants to be. Um, and he's very, very talented. And I think that uh, I, this made me want to go out and see more Ian Holm performances. Uh, yes. And like I said, like I love when movies build tension, but I also love when things come out of nowhere. And you're like, I didn't see it coming and it wasn't cheesy. And that was this scene. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my number one scene is the, uh, is the chest burster scene. Um, you know, I think it, you talk about like unexpected, um, you know, this, this movie, when it starts, obviously, you know, Ripley is one of the iconic movie characters that we have. Um, and you kind of know it, but going into the movie, yeah, Sigourney Weaver's like credit was, uh, what, like 10 seconds in, at the end of, uh, uh, the other movie that we've done together chris uh where she plays uh, woody allen's new girlfriend i guess at the um 
at the end of uh, I can't think of the name of the title. Uh, Annie Hall. Oh, Annie Hall. Yes, she's she's in that. She has no lines, and like she's she's just his girlfriend, new, I new girlfriend. Completely forgot about that. Yeah, that well, that's pretty much like her yeah, biggest her, role her, up to that point. Her scene is done. It's voiceovered by yes. Woody. Yeah, yeah. They don't. She, you don't hear the dialogue. Yeah, so she's not a big star. So anybody in this movie could have been the hero, you know, and it very well could have been John Hurt. I, I think they were setting it up that it's going to be Dallas. And yeah. that, pays, that comes into my recasting when we get to that. But yeah. Dallas is like the, the macho male, the leader, got the skills. He's got, you know, he's got the look. He's got the, the, the brave. He's brave. He's, you know, he's just going right out. Oh, it's a foreign fucking vessel. Let's go check it out. Like, right. He, they kind of set Dallas up to be yeah. the te- the stereotypical hero. Sure, sure, and, and that's but, what helps the shock of when they get rid yeah. of Dallas. Yep, and they, well, and I mean with with Kane, and I like that we were doing two movies back to back with a character named Kane in it, um, but he, just the way it's done, and it's just like all of a sudden they're sitting around, they're eating, they're having a good time, they're joking, and then just this weird perversion of pregnancy. Yeah, it's instant. It's destructive, and it's gross. Well, the, there is a shot of him in distress before yeah. they sit down, and that's the shot. Like he's like rubbing his head, like, "Oh, I got like a fever or something." But yeah. you know, it's like we do all the time. Like, "Oh, what the hell was that?" And then we just yeah. keep moving on. Right. You're certainly not expecting what you get. I mean, you may, you know, watching it now, it becomes such an iconic scene that you yeah. Get it. Oh, it's, and then just the it's way great. it's done, where. I guess they didn't tell the actors about like just how much blood there would be. Right. So that, you know, that and, and, and everything that was does. tightly clean. That's you know, great though. Shirts, I, I, I actually love when directors like don't tell actors certain things just to get that full reaction out of them. Yeah. Um, it, it could sometimes be a little bit of a mess, like in, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, like wiping the blood yeah. on, uh, you know what I mean? It was, it, that, and, and then it was, I, I mean, I found out later on that it, the blood wasn't even real. That they use in the actual take. I think that the story there is that yeah, he he cut his. I mean, obviously he didn't rub his real blood on. Somebody, right, and that's like, what I thought. Yeah, but yeah, they were like, "Oh, you're bleeding. Let's use that." And then right. they gave him the fake blood. But I think with this, like uh, Lambert's like, "Ah, oh, God!" Like that is a very legitimate reaction from yeah life, everything yeah. I've read. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's just like it's such a human moment and like a horrible scene. And they look at this little creature and like, "What the fuck?" Right, like nobody know. knows what to do, and they're like, "Get it, I guess." Who him, he himself is a phallic creation. Yes. Like, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that it's funny that this Lambert character is exists because it's like this movie has the greatest female action horror character, but it also has one of the worst ones. Like Lambert's just like the space version of the blonde girl from Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like in a daze after that she sees it, and like yeah. understandably so, yeah. because that's that's again the great thing about this. This comes out two years after star wars right and uh dan o'bannon was a star wars veteran yeah he wanted and to do anti he wanted to do space but not george lucas's clean like yes. friendly well and we it's, figured, it's it's interesting yeah. it's because it's like space because you look at 2001 and space is like this clean hallways immaculate like beautiful yeah. and star wars is like what if space was lived in and it's like it was yeah. super colorful and like there were fun what, aliens and like, what if it looked like modesto yeah yeah but they, and then they also and then this is like what if space was just fucking truckers right 
well yeah mechanical the, yeah. the science of star was was um they space was not uh, it, they completely conquered space they could go yeah. from light speed from point a to point b this was looking back and be like no 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 space is fucking terrifying yes let's let's, let's show you how terrifying it can be we haven't figured out space to that end point like these science fiction fantasies show you right and, and and to bring this to real life like we just saw the the recent pictures of of all the galaxies and now space has just become so much more horrifying to us yeah. you know yeah. it's insane i know this well, like multiverse shit they keep pushing it hollywood keeps pushing multiverse i don't know maybe they maybe they found something maybe <laughs> Disney's like, we got this thing. <laughs> it's a wormhole. <laughs> it's under Space Mountain. Yeah. It's in the human yeah. conscience to it. They're sopping us up with Doctor Strange and multiple yeah. Spider Man. Yeah. Where's it going? Hey, next? let's go to the other where it's, it's Mortimer Mouse. Is the new, <laughs> we got all this new merch to sell you. Disney's uh, buying up fucking OPs left and right in the alternate yeah. multiverse now. <laughs> we own oh, this is the Disneyverse. <laughs> uh, so. Um, Chris, my number, number one scene it was going to ash's death going okay. back to that one yeah that, that's my favorite scene because this is um you know the whole thing th this is when you realize there there's no hope for these people even in this situation this guy's been working against them the whole time even if they kill the monster there's this guy and even if they get back to earth or whatever the society that they came from they still have a whole society built with these fucking androids that can just either malfunction yeah. or, or pro oh, and the and, the, and the, the company is just going to kill them yeah, like that, and that's that's the thing we haven't really mentioned is like yeah. how fucking staunchly anti-capitalist this movie is. Oh yeah, big time. And the, the company's just going to sterilize them. I mean, you see yeah. it in the sequel; they touch on it a little bit. But the um, yeah, the androids are still in this universe, and one day, like the Terminator, they'll probably be the inheritors of this world yeah. after the aliens run through everybody. Well, what's yeah, what's great about the the sequel? I mean, the sequel is like. You know, it, this is late 70s. This is like New Hollywood era. This is like, this is the New Hollywood horror movie, kind of. You know, the New, new Hollywood sci-fi. And Aliens is just like 80s sci-fi horror. Like the company is, you know, Paul Reiser's just like super yeah. 80s guy. Ripley, mm -hmm. you know, I think we're gonna, you know, I, I believe you, but we're gonna, you know, and he's just like, like super coked out. Um, and like, that's, that was what villainous, capitalism looked like in the 80s whereas right. this is like you know so dark and twisted that it's like these companies are doing shit that you won't even believe like you can't even comprehend the evil that they are and ash is like the physical embodiment yeah of, yeah all right so that's uh that's our favorite parts do you have any anything else we want to touch on any other scenes I think those are definitely the main ones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, anyone have a least favorite part they want to touch on? Uh, I don't really have anything per se. I, I will say, just because we're getting deep into this this episode now, um, this is not a movie that I, I thought was like in the AA plus range from for me. But I, I do appreciate it and I did enjoy it. Um, but at the same time, even though it's not a favorite of mine, I still didn't really find anything that was bad with it at the same sure. time we we said we said with the thing that it's like this movie does what it's trying to do about as well as it can yeah yeah and i think out of the two movies i definitely prefer the thing 
and and the way it's made a little bit more. I think um, things just felt better to me. But I, I, I mean, I, I always want characters to be more fleshed out. But I know in a movie like this, you really can't expect it. So I couldn't put that in my least favorite. Yeah, the the look is important to how who they are. Because like you look at Brett, Harry Dean Stanton, you can tell this a working man. You know, he looks like just like Rick said, a truck driver. You know, right. It's and like the way the costumes are important, like Clue, you know, you're a big Clue guy. The costume is important to convey the, like the development that we can't see. Sure. You got to kind of look at them and see how, all right, so this is this guy. This is, you know, the snob or the, or yeah. the popper. And sure. let's, let's take a minute. I think Harry Dean has been in one other movie that we've done on the show. Is it, Chris, I bet you know who it, what it is, but do you, Derek, do you remember? Uh, who does he play again? Harry Dean Stanton is the um, Brett, his, with the hat. Yeah, with the, yeah. Uh, that. Um, not that I can remember. He is in the Avengers. And he it was is the greatest when, casting choice yeah, of that when, whole movie. When uh, when the Hulk like crashes to the ground, and like the guy like gives him clothes. Because, and I think the reason why he was cast is because Roger Ebert has a quote, basically, that's like, if Harry Dean Stanton is in a movie, it cannot be bad. Like, oh, he, so he, he's the old man who gives him... He's the old man. Yeah, yeah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I remember at the time when we did that episode, you did mention him, and I, I didn't know who you were... I didn't know who he was at the time. Yeah. So, but okay. Gotcha. Yeah, Harry well, Dean. You, you know his face. He's in, uh, like, uh, 200 films. He's, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Huge character actor. Love right, so let's, let's go to medals. Wait, Chris. I got a least favorite. You got a least favorite? Okay, what do you got? It's not really with this movie, but it's it's to do with the sequels and the prequels and the crossovers sure. about how low quality they deviated from the film. Mm -hmm. They did some kind of cool things in terms of world building, but the way that they write the scripts and cast them, they it has made this movie a B movie, which is exactly what Ridley and Cameron and O'Bannon wanted to not do with it. Right. So it's just, just talking about... You know, it's, it's interesting, this series has like a brick wall of a bad decision where on like one side of the brick wall is like everything is good and on the other side of the brick wall it's like everything is tainted by this decision and it's the beginning of alien three yeah. when they're like actually uh yeah like those two characters just died between movies awesome. like and the cat yeah they're like Ripley. You're the only one that survived the ship, and like everything you cared about in the last two movies is gone. And uh, okay, see, like let's just move on, I guess. Yeah, it, it was like the first like retcon, like yeah, it was it was a uh, an odd decision, an odd, very odd decision. Um, and then but, since then, like the mashups with Predator have been awful. Sorry, Angelo, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Again, a very bizarre, like difficult concept to screw up. I feel AVP, and they were just like, "No, it's got to be a fucking super two thousands movie." You know, it, it, it was. It, 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 that's a movie. It's a bad movie, but it actually would be a good episode because we we'd spend so much time. Like, how did they mess this up so much? <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's. Uh, we ready to go to the medals? Yes. All right, Chris, who's your bronze? You guys are going to beat me up for this one. Okay. Ridley Scott's bronze. Okay. All right. The directing is masterful. It's intriguing. It's convincing. It's brilliant. Every choice is a good choice, or a lot of them are great choices. 
it's one of the greatest American films overall, not even just for the genre. Sure. But for this situation, I'm only having him in at bronze. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss who your, uh, your silver and gold are. Derek, who's your bronze? Chris, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Ridley Scott was also my, my, my uh, bronze. Oh, nice. Um, so Derek's not going to beat me up. No, I'm not going to beat you up. Um, and that's even this, to say that I could beat you up. Um, so Ridley Scott, I, th- I agree with everything you said. I think that he made a well-crafted movie. He did his job really well. All the choices he made seemed to just work with this film. Uh, however, I just found some other pieces of the movie uh, to be a little bit more surprising to me. And I think that's why he's my bronze, ultimately. All right. So my, uh, my bronze medal goes to H.R. Giger, who is the person that designed all these unfathomable creatures that you see in the movie. It's, it's almost like his own personal art style. It, yes. Mm-hmm. Like they, they took his style and they brought it to life. And no, this is, there's certain, certain times in the show that we've gone, like nobody else could make this happen. Mm-hmm. And th- this is one of those cases where you couldn't reach into the mind of anybody else and be like, okay, like here's, here's the space jockey, here's the xenomorph. He's the only one that could have thought this up. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that was stumping them was how to make the creature look. Yeah. And O'Bannon obviously was a special effects wizard and he's done all these creatures before and worked with George Lucas. And um, Ridley Scott's like, no, he has to he has to have a certain look for this to work. And they cracked open that book, the Necronomicon. Yeah. And they that's where they got the xenomorph from. And that's how they ended up calling him. Yeah. So, Chris, here's your silver. Sigourney Weaver, Ripley, one of the greatest characters in all the movies and she just does a tremendous job bringing her to life even with the bad scripts of the later sequels she's still just tremendous yeah. to watch in this role she she beats the alien because she's crafty she's not a tough guy um she's just innovative she's brilliant and her resourcefulness which you know some say the resourcefulness is the genius of the human race well when it comes down to this species versus this species it's her resourcefulness that yeah. the humans uh, in this first chapter win and uh, yeah. if there yeah. were more characters like Ripley, you know, just across this uh, universe, then the humanity would be in good shape. But the outcome is grim because we see that Ripley's like not she she's not she's not the average. She is yes. The and I'll I'll you know I'll I'll, I'll jump in here because because uh, Sigourney Weaver is my silver as well. Um, so what what works I think about Ripley in this movie especially is that she is not sexualized in any way she's in her underwear at the end but i don't think it's like it's it's it conveys vulnerability i think as opposed to yeah. like sexualization yeah she's she's naked she's stripped down yes um but this movie is so much a a perversion of birth and you know and sex whereas like your main character is like not sexualized in that way whereas the sequel is so much about it's a perversion of motherhood right that's that's the next step you have like the alien queen you have ripley sort of taking newt under her wing um and and like this so but this version of ripley just doesn't necessarily transfer but she's so good in both versions absolutely 
I mean, uh-huh. the, this the second one, the expand. That's what a good sequel does. It yes. expands upon what worked. Right. You know, a, a bad sequel retcons and rewrites and tries to change it. And then three, yes. Yeah, exactly. But we yeah, can, it, it, we can keep oh. talking about it too. Okay. Just I want to jump in. I, she's also my silver. Um, right. So I just wanted to just put that in there. Um, and and I think that uh, the one thing that I was wondering about, and usually w- with roles like this, where it's kind of straight up action. Um, a, a, you know, a, a, a lead character who's just trying to survive. I'm always wondering if could another actress or actor at the time play this just as well? That's always my question. And that, you know, with Taxi Driver, we talked about how it, it's tough to recast De Niro in that role because it's so dynamic. Right. And Travis Bickle is a very, very deep, deep character, whereas this one isn't as deep. But something about Sigourney Weaver and the way she goes about acting, she just makes it kind of like a little bit above what it was from the script. If that makes yeah, sense, yeah. you know, it's the, it's the face, it's the voice. Yep. And, and the script doesn't have those stage directions. That's all the actress, you know. Right. That's her figuring out how she's going to sound and how she's going to look. Like the whole scene where she, things start to go wrong, where she knows that there's something, where she becomes in command and she knows that something's going wrong worse than it should be. And it's, you know, the fucking robot sabotaging her. There's the scene, there's the face of suspicion until ultimately she blows up and she says, I am in command right now. You need to get in line yeah. behind me. And, and again, so much of this movie works more as time goes on because, you know, you look at it and it's like, of course, these fucking dudes are not listening to this competent woman. You know, like it, it, it's the, the like happy accidents of this casting just continue. Oh, yeah. you know? this, this cast is like I, we talked to when we get to recasting, but this ensemble cast is like one of the best from movies in general. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's go to gold, Chris. Where's your gold? So you've heard me mention him a couple of times. You probably thought I was going to give it to him. And I do. Dan O'Bannon. Yep. So yeah. here, here's my reasoning. So. Ridley Scott goes on to make other great films and maybe even more masterpieces. Um, I think so, yeah. Um, so Gwenny Weaver goes on to play other great roles, but this is Dan O'Bannon's life work. Um, his interpretation of what they were doing with Star Wars and how you could, you know, how this could work as the horror universe. He wrote the script. He ushered the script. Ridley yeah. was brought on to direct. He, he didn't originate the project. Dan O'Bannon did. Um, he died young. Uh, he passed away at 63. But it was the Crohn's, uh, Crohn's disease that he suffered with that inspired the chest bursting scene. Yeah. And that's just so great. Like, you read great works and you think, like, wow, we'll never get into the writer's head to know what originated this, you know? But it's so great that he's on the record of telling you that because anyone who's ever suffered with illness, physical illness, and could tell you how much it sucks. But this guy happened to have the creative genius to translate that into something that we now see is just iconic and blew everybody away right this is O'Bannon's life work and it just it's gonna it's gonna echo through time it was a masterpiece yeah all right so uh, so Derek who, uh, who's your gold medal winner my gold actually goes to Ian Holm uh I like I said before I really enjoyed his performance here uh, I caught me off guard when he became a robot and I love that um and it makes me want to see more Ian Holm roles uh he for me was just kind of the standout of this movie um, I really enjoyed the art direction. I really enjoyed the writing. Um, everything like that is great. It just didn't make my top three. But for me, uh, Ian Holm was kind of like the thing that I still remember about this movie. So he gets my gold. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I guess I'm going to be the different one. I'm going to have uh, Ridley Scott as my gold. Um, you know, all these elements 
you know, Giger, um, O'Bannon, um, Weaver, Holm, all these people, the guy that brings it all together, the guy that, that translates it. And, and really, I think is the, is the key to making this a masterpiece is really Scott. Um, and, you know, I take your point, Chris, that like, you know, this is O'Bannon's masterwork and, and Scott has multiple, um, you know, and Ian Holm is incredible and, and Sigourney Weaver is incredible, but this, this is the guy that he's the, he's the string, he's the connection between all of them. So here's, here's the question, I guess, if this isn't, there's another podcast that I listen to and then we podcast that asks like, is if let's say, you know, when Ridley Scott goes in the movie hall of fame, right. Let's say there's a movie hall of fame, just like the baseball hall of fame that the, the player picks their, you know, I guess the hall of fame committee now picks the hat that they wear when they go in. Okay. Is Ridley Scott wearing an alien hat? What, what's, what, what's he going in with? What's his, what's his signature movie? Uh, I hope he's not wearing a MAGA hat. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Um, his signature movie, you know, that's a great guy. Because we his, know Ridley Scott's a masterpiece maker. He, and he makes such different, like, compare this to Blade Runner, to Gladiator, you know, to, to I don't, Thelma and Louise. Like, I think you have to give him Blade Runner, though. I think I think I might lean that. I I don't know. I think it's I think this Blade Runner Gladiator are neck and neck and neck. I I think this is a flawless movie, but I think Blade Runner just edges it out in terms of like human curiosity, and it might just have everything to do with running time, and it's in a different genre. So the way that he attacks the themes in that one are just. I mean, they're both it's intriguing to no end. That's why we watch these movies so many times. But I just think he has more to say with Blade Runner. Well, I'll say when you when you Google Ridley Scott, <laughs> Alien comes up first. I'm surprised because I thought the number one movie for him would be Good Burger, but I guess not. Naturally, yes. I mean, he did he did he did direct Good Burger, right? <laughs> yes, of course. It was it was it was co-directed between him and Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> it was so big of a project they just had to split it yeah they, they had to um but i mean yeah look at this look at this fucking career of, of ridley scott is just outrageous you know, blade runner gladiator alien the two he had last year the martian um film in the knees american gangster black hawk down um Rick, you said that wrong. It's actually called Black Cockdown. Black. Well, I mean, that was the sequel. Black Cock. Legend. Black. Black Cock up. <laughs> uh, legend. You didn't mention Legend. Tim yeah, Curry. Was, that was a re- there's a reason for that. Maybe not my, not my favorite. Uh, not my favorite Scott movie. Definitely, definitely a cult classic though. Oh, definitely. Yeah. If, if if for if for anything, it's for the images of Tim Curry as Satan. Or darkness or whatever. I mean, that that's the movie. It's him. <laughs> that's I mean, oh, the makeup is by far the best part of that movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so let's uh, let's go to recasting. So I have Ripley. I've got Ash. I've got Dallas. I've got Kane, and I've got Lambert. Me, same exact same for me. Okay. Um, I have them all. I don't have Lambert. I got Parker and Brett. Okay, so let's. Uh, who's your Who's your Parker? Oh, so th- you know this is a great role. And that's a great actor, and he does a great job with it. And it's, he's really non-comparable to, like, today's crop of actors. Yeah. But I would put a filmmaker in that role, a director okay. who, who does some acting, uh, Ryan Coogler. Okay. 
I can just see him with that look that he has on on his face, like, God damn, another day of this bullshit type look. Yeah. And now you're putting him into this role where he has to knock the android head off. Um, Ryan Coogler, director Absolutely. of Black Panther. Yep. And uh, who's your Brett? Oh, I'm a big Harry Dean guy, and I love this character of Brett. Yeah, I, 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 I would not dare replace Harry Dean. <laughs> yeah. So this is not – I'm not trying to replace sure. Harry Dean. I'm just paying homage to, like – to um the character itself and i think an interesting guy for the work uh would be like this working class guy utility dude who's like not into it pete davidson interesting i don't know if you've seen much of pete davidson but he is a funny guy yeah he 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 actually the more i see him his impressions and things are are really really good and his comedy is good too so i yeah I, i think he's versatile enough to pull this one off yeah, he could pull a slope, throw him in the uniform and just give him the like the fuck this shit attitude and you know, then do him the scene with the cat. I think it works. Right. So Derek, who's your uh, who's your Lambert? My Lambert, so I was trying to find a female actress who I haven't used yet. I don't think I've used her yet. Um, but just somebody who can play that kind of like not ditzy, but just kind of annoyed, always like girl. And I don't know why, but she came to my mind, but uh, Isla Fisher. Okay. Um, I just picture her being like the one who you're like, oh, she's attractive and she's just, how, how did she get there? How did she get this job? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that type of thing. Uh, so I went with her. So you'll, you'll see with, with my casting, I went with like the idea that any one of these characters, any one of these actors could be the main character in, in a horror movie and it would work. Mm-hmm. Um, so my Lambert, I gave to an actress who I've, I've seen uh, in in quite a few things. Um, she's uh, most recently in X, uh, the 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 great slasher movie that just came out uh, by, by Ty West. Great, you said great. Yep, yeah. I I really liked X. Okay, um, and that would be uh, Mia Goth would be okay. my Lambert. I like Mia Goth. Yeah. Wait, uh, I'm gonna Google this one. Can't say know. can't say X was great for me, but I did enjoy her performance. Oh yeah, she looked got a good look. Yeah. Um, really good look, Mrs. Shia LaBeouf herself, Mia Goth. Uh, is is she Shia LaBeouf's wife? She, she's there. They're having they're having a baby. Oh at least. boy! Oh boy! The little little Shia. Um, I hope I hope she, they they keep the last the, for the baby. They keep the the Goth last name. That's that's I mean that's, <laughs> you can't you can't fuck with that. Uh, so Chris, who is your cane? Oh, did did you not have a Lambert? My, uh, I, I I I didn't do Lambert. Okay, okay, gotcha. I, yeah, I wasn't crazy about that character, but okay. um, for for Kane, I feel like this needs to be somebody like we all know it's coming. The chest burst is coming. Kane is pregnant. I feel like it should be somebody who is going to be shocking to see that happen to. To like, you know, it's our to to try to capture some of that original shock from the first time the scene happened, and that's why I went with Paul Rudd. Oh, see, that's too painful. You're hurting me, Chris. Yeah, I think it works, guys. Picture Paul Rudd on the table with the whole thing. I went with somebody similar into that to that idea. Not not as pretty as Paul Rudd, but okay. um, I went with uh, um, Martin Freeman. Uh, somebody with the who, other Bilbo. Yeah, more so, Bilbo. More Bilbo. Somebody who I don't want to see ripped apart. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I like it. Yep. So similar, like again, I went with a guy who, like, in another universe, in the in the Disney verse, might be the main character of this movie. Uh, Dev Patel is Kane. Okay. Well, I like that too. Yeah. A, a shocker of a death. Without me looking, is that the Green Knight guy? 
Yes. Okay, just making sure. All right, Chris, who is your Dallas? Uh, we talked about how Dallas is pretty much a fake out. He's yep. supposed to be the hero, saves the day, and he ends up being the thing that she has to burn because he's been mutated beyond comprehension. I think Chris Evans as Dallas would just knock mm. it out of the box. He's yeah. got the leadership, the toughness, and then the big surprise when he goes into the tunnel. And you're like, what did they, to the new generation, did yeah. they just kill Captain America? Yeah. Derek? Uh, I went with an actor who I've been using a lot lately just because I just saw him in West Side Story, and I think he's going to be a fantastic actor going forward. And that's the actor who played Riff, Michael Faced. Uh, same thing, same thing. I feel like he's, he's going to be that great lead actor in movies or the hero or the guy that you look, at, you look up to. And then, unfortunately, halfway through, he's dead, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, I went with a guy who, similar, uh, could be the main character in another movie. Um, I, I find him very likable, and that is uh, Joel Edgerton. Oh, I, I Joel popped into the old noggin, too. But Did he? Yeah. Yeah, but I was like, ah, make him sexier. <laughs> Evans. Oh, yeah. Evans is sexy. Because uh, you, know you know when he's strung up in the uh, nest, he's going to be shirtless. Yeah. I just want to see – I want to see more – uh knives out chris evans type roles you know i want to see him just go over oh, the yeah. top he, he's at the point now where it's up to him to just start striding because yeah. he's, he's established everything as an actor like he's hit all the points in an actor's career now it's up to him to take the wacky challenging parts exactly right? yep so let's go to ash chris who is your ash oh ash is such a great character and he was so good in this movie as you know as an actor so i want to just try to keep up with that so i picked a guy who has recently transitioned from leading man stuff to more character work and i love seeing him tackle roles and his character work it, it might be better than his leading role work is uh tom hanks mm. interesting how creepy could tom hanks play this role with all the roboticness and like the deadpan face and undermining ripley and then you know, you, know you this is America's uncle, Tom Hanks. And then you uh, right. put him in this role. Uncle Tom. <laughs> <What? laughs> <laughs> 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 All right, Derek, use your ash. Uh, my ash is somebody who I used in the past, I believe just once. Mm -hmm. uh, he was, in fact, my Hannibal Lecter, and that is Michael Emerson. Yeah. Uh, I, I, he's obviously known for the show uh, Lost, where he plays Benjamin Linus. Um, I, I mean, I totally see him in this role. There's just no yeah. other way to say it. So yeah, I went cool. uh, with a someone from the British Isles, uh, as Ian Holm is. I uh, went with a guy who played famously a role that is extremely likable and also played a role that is incredibly detestable. Uh, so he can pull off both sides of the, the character of Ash. Uh, and that is David Tennant as Ash. Like it. You know, he's uh, obviously in, is in Doctor Who. He can be very affable and fun. And then as the Purple Man in, uh, in, uh, in Jessica Jones. Barty yeah. Crouch Jr. in The Goblet yeah. of Fire. Yep. Just and one creepy. of the... Yeah, creepy can, can do Can do creepy, can do likable, can straddle that line. And that's, uh, that's why he's my Ash. Have you watched all of Doctor Who, Rick? I've watched all of the new everything since the like reboot of it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cause that's a lot to watch. That's just, yeah. I mean, you can't go back. I like, I'm not going back to the sixties, but I'm going back to like the early, like the early when Chris I know you got, a, took I know you got a super high nerd IQ. So I wouldn't have put it past you. I've watched a few of those. It's just, it's yeah. too, it's like, it's tough to go back to. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so 
Ripley. There's a big one. Chris, it's a big who, one. Uh, who do you who do you have? Well, originally when we were gonna do this episode, I was gonna do Lapita, but you used her last week. I did use her, yeah. What do you, you what did. do you think? What do you think of Lapita and Taxi Driver? I love it. I love yep. her. I All think right. she needs more scripts, definitely Absolutely. on her desk. Um, so there's two verses now. There's the Lapita, then you used her in Taxi Driver. So I would say if you were gonna recast it now, I would go Elizabeth Olsen. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, Derek. Who do you have? Yeah, I, I went with the. I, I kind of just consider her to be like an underdog actor, actress, uh, because I've seen her in things, and every time I've seen her, I just go, I like her, and I don't know why. And it's somebody who you probably wouldn't have even thought of in a million years, but I want her to take this next step as like this could be like the next step in her career because she hasn't done a lot of this stuff. But uh, Linda Car- Cardellini. Um, yeah. she, she's in, um, Green Book. She plays sure. Vito Mortensen's yeah. wife. Uh, she, yeah, funny enough, she's too. actually, she's actually in Good Burger, which I didn't even, that, that, that was a coincidence. Um, but I, I've seen her in a lot of things. I think she's really, really attractive, but at the same time, I think she, she has the, the finesse to, to take her career to the next level. I don't think she's gotten the chances personally. So I had, uh, I had, I had two actresses I was going back and forth with and I, Initially, I thought Kristen Stewart. Um, I think she's. Uh, I think she's. She'd be very good for the role. But I actually, I think I'm going with uh, Zoe Kravitz for this. Makes sense. Yeah, you know she can. She can do the action. She can. You know she has the. I mean, you see her in the Batman. She has the acting chops um, to uh, to do this role. So that's what that's what I'm going with. Nice. Anybody have any miscellaneous that they want to uh, to talk about with this? I don't really have a whole lot. And I, and I purposefully left it off because I feel like you guys know the movie a lot more than I do, that you could probably come up with some better facts than I would. Oh, I think we, we hit a lot of facts. That's yeah, we, we did. Through. Yeah. Chris, so do you I don't have, any, have anything, no, any, anything else? No? I don't have anything specific. I have one more, uh, one more casting. Okay. This is, this is a surprise one. That's why I didn't okay. tell you about it. Let me guess. Let so, me guess. Danny yep. Glover plays Alien. Oh, that would be fantastic. He's yeah. just too old for this shit. <laughs> I was thinking you bring back Sigourney as the voice of mother. Yeah. Nice. Well, she there was a there was she was in, in Cabin in the Woods as she was the she did she does a lot of those roles. She was in yep. something else as, as like a voice of computer or something like that. I feel yeah. Like. Oh, money? Sure. That's what, you know, that's she, what oh no, you know what she was? No, it was it was Wally. She was the voice of the computer in Wally. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you're gonna do a reboot of Alien, you gotta have her include her in some way. So yeah, it's think... just, just just as an Easter egg for the fans. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, what are we eating with this? Let's well, let's start with what are we eating with this movie? Milk. Absolutely. Milk. Just drinking milk. We're gonna eat did some it, milk. Did it make you thirsty when you? Yeah, saw oh, it? oh, I was, <laughs> I was, I was literally chugging a gallon of milk during that scene. <laughs> And Chris, you had a special uh, a special category here. They special. Uh, what are we? What was it? What are we buying? What are we collecting with this movie? What, what are we collecting? With All right. This? So I guess yeah, you would have to buy a collection as well, but you'd have to buy the food too, right? Sure. <laughs> what are we consuming with this? Yeah. Um. So I I like the original Toy Biz line of action figures. If you guys can remember in the early nineties, um, they started making toys for like Terminator. I think we touched up on it. Yeah. Predator, Alien, um, Star Wars all these older movies 
God action figures for our generation. I'd be shocked if there wasn't like a super detailed fucking like McFarlane. Oh, no, there there is. And that's what I mean. That's the second piece. They have a NECA alien action figure. Very suitable for the shelf. He's in the big box, uh, you know, clamshell packaging where you can pop open the poster and you see the xenomorph. Beautiful. So either of those choices make a good addition to your collection if you are an alien fan. All right, excellent. So let's uh, let's talk the Oscars. Uh, so this came out in uh, 1979. Um, doesn't look like to have any technical. Yep, the wins best visual effects. Um, nominated for art direction. And I think that's it. So uh, I'm going to get on the same page as you. This is the 52nd American Academy Awards. This would indeed would be the 52nd annual. All right. So let's see. We got Academy a strong Awards. year here. Definitely. Yeah. So best picture uh, one by Kramer versus Kramer. Other nominees are All That Jazz, Apocalypse Now, Breaking Away, and Normal Ray. Normal Ray hasn't aged well. Yeah. I don't think I've seen Breaking Away. Yeah, I think it's... I mean, the the top three... Let's not fuck with them, right? Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, Apocalypse Now is a pretty heavy-duty movie. Yes. It should have worked. Yep, Kramer vs. Kramer, All That Jazz... Apocalypse Now, not touching them. Those are Best Picture nominees. Right. Should have won. Apocalypse Now. I'd say that, yeah. Um, over Alien? I think Alien's yeah. in there. And I can't throw away Breaking Away because I haven't seen it. Maybe okay. it's so I've been a while. I throw Norma Ray out. No offense, okay. Norma. Yep. Fun movie, but... Sorry, Sally. Uh, best Director. Uh, similar here. Uh, Robert Benton for Kramer versus Kramer wins. Bob Fosse for all that jazz, Coppola for Apocalypse Now, Peter Yates for Breaking Away. The difference is it's Eduard Molinaro for La Cage Fall. Uh, I believe it's how to pronounce it. I think really yeah, did a great the, job, the, but the I bird mean... cage. That's what that it translates to the bird yeah, cage. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so it was later later adapted into the bird cage. No, I was just going to say that I think that uh, Ridley Scott did a very good job. Um, I just don't know. I guess because I, I haven't seen most of these movies, I really can't make a good decision. But I'm fine either way with him being in there or not being in there. I think that Kramer versus Kramer is a, is a great film. Um, it de- definitely didn't age as well as some of these other ones. Like... The, the fact that Coppola or Fosse did not win this yeah. year yeah. is out-fucking-rageous. I, yeah, know. I don't even think Robert Benson's directed in Kramer versus Kramer yeah. is worthy of Give him a nomination, nomination. sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Kramer versus Kramer is carried by the acting, I feel like. I um, feel like this was Fosse's year, and they, they just probably didn't understand his movie. Yeah, I, and I'd, I'd be okay with either Fosse or Coppola. As far as, um, you know, I, I think, I, I really think that, um, that Scott deserves nomination here. Um, you I know. do, too. It's a masterpiece, yeah. Yeah. It's more. It's more genre. It's a. It's a genre yeah. movie, which a lot of these aren't. And, yeah. You know, breaking away is. It's a coming of age thing. So toss out breaking away and put in Ridley yeah. Scott. See you later. Breaking away. You're breaking away from this category. Chris, Chris you saw. You saw the offer, right? 
I, oh, I loved it. Do, do you now, I loved it. now when you think of, um, when I think of uh, Francis Ford Coppola, I just can't stop thinking of Dan Fogler. Like, that's who I picture now as Francis Ford Coppola. He did such a good job. Such a fucking good job. As Fran- yeah. It was like, I thought that was him, you know? It was nuts. Matthew Good as... Um, wow. Know, amazing. Amazing. I actually used Matthew Good in my Wonka episode. I'm excited to talk about that, that recasting. Um, Robert Evans, like when you start doing New Hollywood, his name comes up a lot. So I've seen his in interviews, documentaries. You know, he's always been peripheral. About, I'm obviously a Godfather fan. His character has always been in my peripheral. But seeing him come to life and Matthew Good, the guy who did it, unbelievable night and day versus who this guy, the way he dressed up to play that role. I never heard of Matthew Good before this, and now I feel like I'm gonna. I'm hoping to see him in everything. Was, so Matthew Good, he was um, he was in the Watchmen movie. He was, he's been in the, he's, he's seen pop up a bunch of stuff. Hamilton. Yeah. He was like, before the Watchmen, he was just like um, rom-coms and stuff. Gotcha. He's just a guy now that like, I want to see his name in more things because he was so good as Bob. He was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, you got to see it. I will, I will listen, I'm going to be on uh, paternity leave uh, coming up soon. So I will have a lot of time on my hands to watch (laughs) stuff uh, and not really absorb it as well as I should, but uh, I'll, I'll be able to catch up on stuff. Um, so, if we look next, I mean, nobody really for best actor. Um, no, best actress. Let's put her in. Put her in. Okay, do you think? Well. Do you? But do you think her character is fleshed out enough that he, she deserves a nom? That, that's just my question. Well, we'll talk. Well, it's 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 going to be in, you know, in, compared to the the competition at at the time, you know, so. Sally Field wins. This is the famous "You like me, you really like me" speech, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yep. Wins as Norma Ray in Norma Ray. Other nominees are Jill Clayburgh in Starting Over, Jane Fonda in The China Syndrome, Marsha Mason in Chapter Two, and Bette Midler in The Rose. Well, Bette Midler's staying. Yeah. I don't so, know which which one is the China Syndrome. Which one is that? Because I've seen all those old Fonda movies, but I don't. I'm not sure which one that is. Uh, Jane Fonda, Jack Lemmon, Michael Douglas, uh, television report. Oh, it's a nuclear power plant safety cover up movie. All right, I'm taking her out. No okay. offense, Janie, I love Mom's you. Out. And I'm putting Ripley in. What Mom do you guys think? Out. Weaver's in. All right. All right. Uh, best supporting actor. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Do we? Do we want to? Think about Ian Holm for this? Depends who's nominated. Uh, Melvin Douglas wins for being there. Uh, Robert Duvall, who should have won for Apocalypse Now. Frederick Forrest in The Rose. Justin Henry in Kramer versus Kramer. And Mickey Rooney in The Black Stallion. Which oh, is a, Mickey Rooney getting a late... Uh, late no, uh, no. Thanks, yeah, thanks for coming. Enjoy yeah. your... Enjoy your old man nomination, Nick. He scored a lot of women that his looks would make you think he probably couldn't score. Have it's you ama- seen, it's have amazing you, how much better a man looks with millions of dollars in his that's pocket. That's crazy, yeah. Well, let me, ask you, let me ask you this. Have you seen a lot of those early Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland movies? Yeah, of course. They used G, to be on- yeah, G is a big, a huge Judy Garland fan. So we, we watched a lot together. And I will say, watching Mickey Rooney play piano and then go over and play drums and then do all these backflips over couches and sing, I'm like... There really isn't anybody like Mickey Rooney nowadays, so I think no, that's his, no, his, his. I think that's also his attraction is how fucking talented he was. Yeah, he was. He was a showman for sure. Um, I would say 
from this category, Justin Henry's eight years old, and he wasn't that good in that movie. Jesus. So toss, toss we're gonna yeah. we're gonna see you on the stage. So uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me see how old is he now. So now he's fifty-one. The curse of Michael Caine. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. Let's yeah. let's let's quickly run through some uh, some seventy-nine movies that we have not discussed here uh, that have not come up in the Oscars. Uh, Amityville Horror, Mad Max, uh, The Warriors, which we obviously had an episode about. Uh, the Brood, which is too weird to be nominated, but yeah, you know, phenomenal. Uh, Escape from Alcatraz, Rocky Two, The Jerk, uh, Phantasm, Star Trek: The Motion Picture, uh, see, Manhattan. <laughs> no, it's def it's definitely on the verge of the eighties with all these like yeah. horror movies. Yeah. I know, I know that the original Rocky gets all the fame, but Rocky two is also a very, very good movie. It, there's, there's parts of Rocky two that it just like, it goes into melodrama that doesn't work for me, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, does Joe Spinell come back for Rocky two? Derek? He does. Yeah. My, he, he, yeah. he, 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 that's his last Rocky movie. Unfortunately, Rocky gets you're, too you're rich. My expert on all things. Joe Spinell. <laughs> he gets, he gets too Rocky Balboa gets too famous and rich to have th that type of guy in his life in Rocky three. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, he gets the robot too. Happy birthday, Polly. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I showed Gia. Me and Gia watched all six Rocky movies, except for the Creed ones. We watched all six in a row. And Gia, for fucking three days straight, would walk by me and just go, happy birthday, Polly. Non-stop. <laughs> She's like, that was her favorite moment of all six movies. Was And then we went back and we watched Family Guy. And we had to go watch all like the Rocky <laughs> things that they do in that show. Oh, my God. You, you got to get to those creeds. That's some of his finest work. As yeah, Rocky. we're going to get to them. I've, I've seen them, but I just took a break. Yeah. I'm, now we're going to go watch them, I think. So. Uh, I, I guess if you watch six in a row, you got to take a little breather. Yeah, yeah. It was over the course of three days, but still. We're oh rocky. My God. We were rockied out. Yeah. That's two uh, Rocky movies a day. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Rick. Sorry. You could, go no, on. that's all right. Uh, we got uh, <laughs> also this year, we've got Manhattan. We've got Life of Brian. We've got The Castle of Cagli Cagliostro, which is the first Miyazaki movie. Nice. Um, let's see. What else? When a stranger calls, that that I, I'd make an argument for Carol Carol Kane to be looked at for that movie because she's she's incredible in that. Uh, the Muppet movie. What I, I, yeah, I'd make an argument for Orson Welles in the Muppet movie. Absolutely, That's like my favorite my favorite uh, favorite cameo Muppets of all of them. Yeah, love that movie. Yeah, so I mean, seventy nine, great year. This this is very much like. You know, there's certain years that like are a blend of different time periods. Mm -hmm. So we're, you know, we're we're coming out of the '70s era. We're definitely going in the '80s area era, and this uh, this year is is a very good example of that. Uh, so now we come to the most important part of the show, and that was when we put thirty seconds on the clock. And Derek, you tell us why Alien. Is the greatest movie of all time. Are you ready? Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. Alien, Ridley Scott, 1979. I think this is uh, well-deserved as being a very famous cult classic movie on the list nowadays. Uh, I think the acting is very, very good. It's stylized. Um, it's If you're into science fiction, you're going to love this movie. Um, it's definitely one of the greats of its genre. Um, and I recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it. Uh, I'm a first-time watcher, and I plan on watching it again. All right, 25 seconds. Well done. All right, so that has been. And our... also, yep. go fuck yourself, <laughs> fucking assholes. Assholes. Oh, you know, I actually, I did, I did miss uh, <laughs> one of my recasting. 
I would actually have Al Pacino as the Xenomorph. Wow, that would be great! <laughs> Let me tell you something about that. Coming out Rip- of this guy's fucking chest. <laughs> you, see, you see Ripley? She got a big ass! <laughs> I got myself a little baby alien inside me. <laughs> When the when the face hugger pops out, just like ooh ah, yabba dabba doo. <laughs> My oh, little right. baby alien inside of me is laughing her sick fucking ass off. <laughs> All right, so that's been our episode. Look on... at that thing! It looks like a little dick. <laughs> All right, so that's been our episode on the alien. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Next time, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure what. Uh, what order these episodes are coming out in, but we've got Citizen Kane, we've got Princess Bride, we've got Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and we've got School of Rock coming up. Yes, we so. do. And, Rick, do not forget the, the episode you do not want to miss, and that is the season yes. two finale of this show. Absolutely. It's the end of an era, and we'll probably get to that at some point soon, but it's, it yep, is you know, not let's, to be missed. Let's cover, that. let's cover that now. I wanted to, uh, to do that while we had a bit of time left. All right, so, let's do it. I've mentioned a couple of times, I do have a baby on the way. As a result of that, I do need to take a step back from the show. Probably not going to be on for a while. After that, I will be I will be back, but probably not weekly. Probably you know once every few weeks, I'll be popping up. So I'm not leaving you forever. Uh, I know I've talked a bit about Derek, what he has planned for the show, and I uh, you know it's going to be really fun. And uh, you know I'm going to be listening every week. So I hope you can continue to do that as well. Um, yeah, you know, we're gonna have some guest hosts, I think, and uh, you know I think it'll be a really good time. Yep. And, uh, and keep in mind, I mean, I will be taking over the play-by-play from Rick, so go easy on me. Uh, but it'll be a lot of fun. Rick will be back at, at, you know, to do sporadic episodes, but we're going to have so many guests and so many different voices on so many different movies that we haven't talked about yet, so stay tuned. Absolutely. Season three. Sounds yep. exciting. Season three. Yep, and I'm sure Chris will be on quite a bit as well. Yes. Uh, uh, I've already got my steak. I'm not going right. to, no spoilers, but I got, I'm staked. Yep. All right. So that's been our episode on Alien. We have some great stuff coming up. Uh, season finale is going to be incredible. I know we've, uh, you know, we've got, uh, I know my list, my top, and of course, if you don't know, uh, the season finale is when we take a look back at the previous 50 movies we've done and we count them down. We have, uh, we have votes from, uh, from some of our previous guests, Chris included, as well as, well as our two co-hosts, uh, Eastern Music, uh, as well as our two co-hosts, so I know my list is is shaping up, and uh, you know can't uh, can't wait to count down. And the invites open. If if any of you guests uh, that have already been on want to come to my apartment to film this episode, we would love it. I'm looking at you, Anthony. I'm looking yeah, at you. He said he said he's in. He's. Right. I, I talked a little bit about him with his list. And he's we, gonna... we, we we might have to the, the hit stop in the recording during that just so we can have at least three <laughs> rounds of a boxing match. As, I wonder if Anthony's coming for shock value. Like, is he going to come? <laughs> Is his number one movie going to be, you know, um, I have Wild Wild West. <laughs> hey, Chris, we wouldn't mind. <laughs> I know, Anthony, I know you're trolling, but I agree. <laughs> Don't pull our fucking legs here. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm very interested to see everybody else's list. So this should be, uh, should be very fun. So uh, can't wait for that one. Join us next week. I, as always, have been your beloved co-host, Bursting out of the, your chest, Rick Barrasso. And I have been your absolutely least favorite co-host, the oh. fucking, fucking <laughs> scumbag himself, Rick the Big Dick Boski. And I have been your special guest, 
Chris the Xenomaniac Bonapani. <laughs> Let me tell you something, brother. I'm the Xenomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, keep watching, everyone.